Welcome back to Now It's Awkward, where we talk about life, love, family, and relationships. I am Jeff, and I am joined this week by my beautiful wife, Brittany. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Hello. Did everyone miss me? They did, actually. I got so many messages. Um, it, let me say first, I got very a lot of very kind messages that said that you enjoyed the show. Many people said that they were not going to listen because you weren't on the show. Well, that's sweet. But they did, yeah, sweet <laughs> to you. But they did listen, and thank you guys uh, who sent uh, really kind messages saying that they enjoyed the show and my perspective on things. I enjoyed listening to it. Did you? you? Know, I had no idea what you talked about. So when the podcast came out, it was fun because I was like, "Oh, I'm a listener. I don't even know, you know, what you talked about." So it was really interesting to listen to you talk by yourself and I was cracking up at the how to support your wife during labor I don't know what it was about it you were just like because <laughs> it's all true I mean you you've been through it what yeah. six times yeah so it's like you're pretty much a professional at it and really just the way that you described it was so funny it was just like just do everything for her <laughs> and uh, be as supportive as possible silent and out of the way as you can be yeah. when it gets when it's go time that's i mean I that's just, uh, just laughing you do a great job during that whole process you're a pro now uh i am uh, <laughs> i've just i've just learned that it's not about you in that moment it's about uh, your wife and the baby so that's what i try to make it about um so I thought maybe because of the feedback, maybe I would do maybe a once a week solo show. And then this is like the big show, you know, no pressure. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I would like to get your feedback on that. If you uh, did listen, would listen in the future to a solo show by me. It's just it's really hard for you to do more than one show a week. Uh, you're very busy, always running around, doing lots of things for a family, you know, for for our business, all of that. So it's just really hard for you to make it all the time. And then like this week. Cam's been sick pretty much all week. Yeah, I don't know what's... I think he's just got a virus. That's what we were told at the doctor. He didn't have an ear infection. I just wanted to take him in. He's been having a lot of congestion and some high fevers, so I just want to make sure he didn't have an ear infection or pneumonia or something. And, I mean, everything looked pretty clear. They said it was just viral. It just seemed like it just... It seems like it won't go away. So I've been pretty tied to the house lately just with him not he's just sleeping a lot not really wanting to eat much and so we're just kind of hanging out around the house for you know the majority of the week this week yeah it's been tough it's it's really tough with the young guys I could just tell on Monday or Tuesday I guess that he just wasn't himself uh, and then you know he started to feel a little warm so and then we've been passing well knock on wood I have not had an eye infection I I'm pretty sure it's bacterial pink eye because Jeff got it first, and I was like, what is wrong with your eyes? Go to the doctor. And she said it was bacterial, your eye doctor. Yep. And then Cole's eyes started to get extremely put. Like, he woke up one morning and couldn't even see out of one eye. Right. They were, like, pink and red. And and then who came up, out with it next? I think Cooper had said his eyes started getting itchy. And then Cam's eyes started to look a little red. So I was just like, what is going on? I've, I was a little I – was, I was embarrassed. Uh, to be honest, because, you know, I, I have worn contacts since I was like 12 years old. And uh, so more than 30 years wearing contacts, I'm always very, I'm very like uh, paranoid about eye washing or hand washing and touching your eyes, touching your face, all of that. So um, it was not a cool thing that I got it. And I assume I got it from Cole, but yeah. uh, I want to blame him. 
uh, for it anyway. But I, I've, I've been like a paranoid, not not a germaphobe. We got a question about that. Uh, but I'm, I've not been a germaphobe, but been, you know, wash your hands You're, after I'll all give, of the bodily I'll, functions. I'll stuff. definitely give it to you. You know, a lot of guys get a really bad rep for not washing their hands and you're like ever since i've known you a really good hand washer <laughs> so like i know that you know it doesn't like you just scratch your butt and then put a contact <laughs> in your eyes <laughs> i've been like one thing that really annoys me going out in public is that grown men don't flush toilets and they don't wash their hands like they will go from poo and walk straight out of the bathroom and then I, shake your hand yeah, I read like 60% of men do not wash their hands after using the restroom. Um, and so my like mission in life is that my boys, our kids, will not grow up to be those guys, that they will be clean individuals and take care of their business That's out in mission. public. It is. I know it's, it's a noble mission that my You're boys... welcome, future wives. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so that's been, a, been our week. It's been a really busy week, um, but, you know... That's uh, that's where it is. So when we came to talk about this episode, we're recording this on Friday at the end of the end of the week. We talked about you know what would be a good topic, and you know we were kind of scratching our heads at what we wanted to talk about. So you came up with a brilliant idea, honey. Well, I love doing Q and A's on Instagram. It's really fun when I when I have a free minute to sit down and like go through my phone and answer a bunch of questions. I love doing it. But I've never really jumped on the assumptions train because it makes me a little anxious. I don't know what it is about it. I feel like sometimes people's assumptions can be very rude. And so I just really avoid it. And I thought, well, maybe if we do the assumptions, but we do it like together, it won't be I won't feel so attacked. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think many people realize when they ask a question because it's, it's like any text back and forth, right? Sure. That maybe they're not trying to be rude with it. Um, and I'm also a very sensitive person, so I probably take it that way, even if it's not meant that way. So I just kind of, <laughs> I've avoided the assumptions thing because I see people do it all the time. And I think that it's really fun to answer those assumptions that people have about you. But I also feel like offended when somebody's assumption of me is completely wrong. So I thought maybe if we do it together, it'll feel a little bit less harsh. Yeah, well, I am. I think that uh, we've got some really good uh, questions here, so, and I thought it'd be fun. So this this might be fun. We'll see how it goes. I'm ready. Do you want to start with the juicy, juicy stuff, or you want to start with the unjuicy? I don't uh, know what juicy means, just, by the way. Just throw them at me, rapid fire, and he's got them all on his phone. So I'm just here to answer. All right. Well, let's start with one that that came up. Kind of, it was it was one of the overwhelming uh, questions was or assumptions. You guys never argue. So do we argue? Yes and no. I mean, we do, but not often. We don't often. And it and, and rarely gets uh, where we're really mad at each other. I don't feel like argue is a good way to put it because I don't ever feel like we're arguing over something that you come to this conclusion to. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not an arguing over who's wrong and who's right. It's usually just a disagreement over something or a misunderstanding or something like, does that make any yeah, sense? Yeah, we're not on the same page uh, with absolutely everything. So there's going to be things that we disagree on. when we do disagree or argue, it, it feels a little foreign, I'll be honest, yeah. because I don't like the feeling. It makes me feel uncomfortable and sad. And it's kind of like, you know, you're my person. So if we're arguing and we're not in a good place and I feel really lost, 
because I don't have the purse, that person to go to. And I don't think it's healthy to like go to other people with your, your problems because that just causes more problems. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like don't like airing your dirty laundry to a family member or a friend. Cause that just makes things worse. Yeah. So many relationships have been ruined by family getting one half of the story and instantly coming to a conclusion or opinion on the other. I'll say this. I think that arguing is healthy because if you don't feel connected enough with that person that you can bring an issue or a disagreement to their attention and have a productive discussion, that can actually signal that you're in a really bad place in your relationship. Yeah, I don't think it's not, you know, not good to argue. I just feel like most of the time we're able to talk through what's going on before it becomes an argument. So mm -hmm. maybe my definition of argue is a little more, I don't, when I think of argue, I think of like, fighting and yelling and just like, I mean, we don't, we don't do yeah, that. We've, I don't remember I don't us remember ever, ever really doing that. Yeah. I mean, you know, if someone's going to raise their voice, it's probably going to be me, but it, that just doesn't happen very often. We argue over the disagreement and we don't argue to hurt or vilify or convince the other person of their argument. I think you and I do a healthy job of listening trying to understand, trying to empathize with the other person and coming to a mutual conclusion of the best way to move forward. I think something that I, I feel that I actually do well, um, is I really, really like to think about my words before I say them. So if we're having a, a, a disagreement or an argument, typically I don't just throw words out there that I'm going to regret later. I really want to think about it and think, should I even say this? Is this something that is going to help us or just tear us down? And I feel like I do that in pretty much every conversation or relationship that, um, that I have. I really like to think about what I'm going to say because you can't take words back once you put them out there. So if you're, you know, what you're about to say is probably not going to be helpful. Then I usually just, you know, I, I feel like I have a, a decent filter yeah, I don't think you've ever said anything to intentionally hurt my feelings. And if you have sensed that I got a little upset at what you said, uh, you come back and, and are apologetic. And, and I know that you didn't intend to hurt feelings. And I think that's the problem with a lot of fights is that it becomes this uh, I'm attacking you mentality versus just having a discussion and looking for ways to improve the relationship. So I'm, I'm thankful that you are concerned about how I will receive the message when you bring something up that is troubling you or bothering you. I'm not, I'm not like a perfect person or a perfect fighter or something like that. Um, I just feel, I can feel myself in the moment very, very cautious of the things that I say to really anyone because I'm afraid of you know, that coming back to bite me or hurting someone's feelings or, and I just feel like when you love someone, you know, you're not trying to hurt them. You don't want to try to hurt them. So I just feel like being careful with your words is very important. And you do a great job. So sorry, that was a really long answer to that question. Yeah, hopefully you guys got some value <laughs> out of that. Cause I think that's important, uh, is that you understand how we, uh, see arguing and disagreement, okay, um, so in a healthy on, way. Move on to something less deep. All right, here's uh, here's some fun ones. You have a lot of sex. You have a great sex life. I knew this you guys coming. wrestle a lot. You guys get you have freaky sex, and you guys get freaky I in the mean, sheets. You guys were dang. You guys assume that we are getting busy 
all of the time. And I don't hate that that's your assumption, to be I honest. I mean, okay, we've had five kids together, which means we've had sex at least five times. That's the <laughs> like worst way what I'm saying to is, validate I, it. Do people equate having a lot of kids to having a lot of sex? What's the, uh, what's the number of encounters per child that's been born is that what people are saying is it like yeah, 100 sexual encounters for each child's would that's we a count minimum that of 500 yes would we what would you say it's been 10 years of a relationship I, I can't together do that well in my head okay would you say it's between 500 and a thousand times in the 10 years we've been together Yes. All right. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it be interesting to know the actual number? I thought about like should have <laughs> had a little notch on the wall. And then yeah. I would have found it when we were dating and I would have been so mad. You would have. You would have <laughs> been mad and offended. But would we still be here? I would mean, you get over it? I don't know. I'm sure I would have gotten over it. Uh, I hope so. But um, to, to your points, we've answered this question. We did a whole podcast on it. Go back to the million billion dollar question. Uh, and some others, we've answered this question. You know, we we have consistent love. Wrestling. We consistently yes. wrestle. Uh, and that produces children. And we know how this works. I don't feel like we're like crazy people. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I think. Not freaks in the sheets. I mean, we're in the sheets, but I would consider myself a freak. By the way, my mother, your grandmother at least, <laughs> yeah. listens to these shows. Uh, I want to apologize to you guys for uh, for airing this out. Sorry, these Oma. are these are questions <laughs> that they bring to us, and I'm just I'm here for the people, and that's where we're gonna approach this. We're trying to keep this PG-13, right? Yes, yes. We don't want to. It ask me every week when I submit this if this is like a suitable topic, uh, or you know PG or whatever, and and I want to keep it that way. Um, here's the next question, uh, Jeff or assumption. Jeff worships the ground that she walks on. Hmm. Do you? What is your perception of me? Do you feel like I worship the ground that you walk on? I I don't feel like you worship the ground that I walk on. I feel like you respect me as a person and as a wife and as your best friend and as the mother of your children. And I feel like it's really... The way that you treat me is a way that a woman should be treated. I don't think you worship the ground that I walk on. I feel like that's almost condescending. Why is that condescending that uh, worships the ground? So like you're a queen, you're above me, you, uh, and I'm yeah. below you kind of a thing? Yeah, I guess. Um, I, I'll say that I am, I think when you've had a failed relationship, not only just a marriage that's failed, but past relationships that have failed, Growing up, never really feeling connected to somebody in the way that I feel connected to you, never finding the joy that I've had, I appreciate it more. So when I'm with you, I am very grateful that I'm in this relationship with you, and I feel like I owe you a lot for that. I have called you my answered prayer before, and I mean that sincerely. So I uh, do feel like I want to give you everything that you want in this life that doesn't mean materialistically um, or, you know, every, your every whim, your every desire is fulfilled, but I want to do my best as a husband to, to help you get there. So I would say that I, I don't know that worship is the best word, but I do uh, honor the ground that you work on, walk on. I would agree with that. 
of course, here's the million billion dollar question. Uh, will we have more babies? Are you, well, first, are you pregnant to your bet to the best of your knowledge? Are you pregnant right now, honey? To the best of my knowledge, I am not pregnant at this moment. To the best of your knowledge, right hands up. Do you pledge that? Are you actively trying to get pregnant at this moment? I am not. Are you going to continue to have babies until you have a girl baby? I don't think that's, that's, I, it's not that it's a fair question because I think that that is the perfect assumption for someone who's had six boys in a row that you're going to keep trying until you have a girl, which I hate saying that because I don't think that that's healthy. I don't think that it's healthy to just keep having kids until you have a girl. So, I mean, how many are you going to have? 12 at that point. I actually did look at the world record of how many boys have been conceived in a row without a girl. And I think it was like 11 or 12. Oh my goodness. So I always joke with like Carter and Sydney cause they, we talk about this often and they're like, you should go for the world record. And I said, what would happen is that I would get one baby to go like one baby away from the world record. And they'd be like, it's a girl. Yep. <laughs> but aside from that, like, no, I would say no, that's not, you know, if I had two more kids and they were boys, I'm not just going to have a ne the next one and the next one and the next one to have a girl. Would I love to have a girl? Absolutely. Um, but I don't think it's fair to just keep having kids until you have a girl. Yeah. And when people ask me this question, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful that I have Sydney. Would I welcome a, a daughter and have that uh, girl dad experience again? Sure. I'd welcome that. You know, Sydney, I think, enjoys being the only girl, but would also really welcome and love being the big sister to a baby girl. Yeah. I mean, Sydney, it's so funny that we talk about it often because she'll come up to me and she's like, are you pregnant? <laughs> and I'll be like, no. But I mean, she's usually one of the very first to know when I am. But we've talked about it before and she is on board with definitely having another one. She wants another one. She would love to have a little sister. Um, I, I know that the age difference is, you know, would be pretty big. And I think that she wishes maybe that, you know, that they, it wouldn't be so, you know, such a big age difference if it was a little girl. She's but, 14, by the way. So 15 or 16. But she'll definitely maybe. say like, you can do one more, just one more. <laughs> Especially when we're out like shopping and you see all the little girl clothes and she's like, oh, go girl clothes are so cute. I mean, would I love to have a girl? Absolutely. Um, I don't even know what I would do with a girl, honestly. I, the, the thought is very scary for me to, like, make that transition from being this boy mom um, to all of a sudden having a girl. It, it, it frightens me a little bit. I'll be honest. I worry about maybe I wouldn't be a good girl mom. Um, you know, what? like, she's in a house full like of... Like, that's why you've big. had so many boys in a row, because you'd that fail is, at that? That is. That's... that's kind of what I think about in my head of maybe I've had six boys because I wouldn't be a good girl mom. Um, and, and God knows what I need. You know, he, he knows that I needed these boys and that maybe having a little girl is not the best fit for me, which, you know, hurts my heart a little bit. I, I wish that you didn't have that mindset. And, and I hope that we, you get that opportunity to flip that mindset around because I, I just, it's uh, it's an unfounded fear that you have. You're great with all of our kids. You are great with Sydney. And I think that she'd be a wonderful girl, mom. So do you have a hard stop 
number? Is there, people are assuming we have no hard stop number for the amount of kids that we have. Is there a, a number here? People assuming, people have said, we're going to continue to have kids till menopause, which I don't <laughs> even know when that happens, but I know that you're far from it. I, I will assume that if something doesn't happen surgically to me, that we will, I will continue to have children until you enter menopause. That's like, what is that, like 50? How, how long can women have kids? I mean, I would say a good 10 to 15 years left of before I hit menopause. Because I am 32, and in my family, they don't, you know, women in my family haven't hit menopause until pretty late in life. We average a kid every two years, honey. Mm-hmm. So if we go 10 to 15 years, that is five to seven and a half children. It's hard for me to think about not having another baby. It's really difficult, but maybe it's just because I feel like our family is not complete. And I I know that some people say you kind of never, sometimes you just never get that feeling, but I feel like you've got to get that feeling eventually, right? Well, I've I mean, never had that feeling that we were completely done. It just feels like somebody's missing. And I'll always have that feeling because crew's not here. It's a feeling of somebody at the end of our family is still missing. And I just can't, I can't put a finger on it. I, I don't, I don't plan on having kids until I hit menopause. That's not, you know, that's not the goal here. Like at some point I want to be done having kids and, and watch them, you know, grow up and not have to like have the baby at the high school ball field. You know what I'm saying? I guess the, uh, that is probably a, the assumption of most people is that I'm just going to keep having babies forever. And while that sounds great, <laughs> honestly, because I, I love it, realistically, that that's not going to happen. At some point, there will be a hard stop, I think. And even though I will mourn like that part of my life, I will have to move on. Yeah, and people have said, Basically, that you want to have kids, they they're assume, assuming that I don't want to have any more kids. Let me just say very clearly that I am willing to go as long as you want to go, and it's not that I don't want to continue to have kids. Sometimes now, when we're at the baseball field, and I'm thinking this is really fun, like I'm enjoying this. Like last night, Carter, you know, is has his practice. Cooper's at Carter's practice. I'm having a really fun time, and I'm thinking, you know. Next year uh, or spring, cash, and then I've got coal, and then I've got cam. That I keep thinking like the fun, the fun times are still ahead of me. Like this is the fun time, but I have the fun time to go with these other kids. And if we continue to have kids, it, it's almost like the fun times will continue into the future for me. So for that, I am still excited about having kids. So I'm grateful that you're still willing and wanting to have kids. And that's the way I'm going to look at it. You mean I'm not like holding a gun to your head saying you must have more children with me? No, you're not. <laughs> I'm the one that gets us in trouble, by the way, right? I mean, I'm I'm obviously the one that is chasing you around our house. Mm-hmm. Would we say? I mean, I don't know if chasing around the house, but I mean, I'm I'm kind of stalking you pretty I'm much all the time. Your yes, prey. pretty much all the time, and I know that uh, it will eventually happen if uh, if I'm not careful and I'm not careful. So I feel like this needs to be addressed because sure, you know, we, we talk about like, yes, we know what can happen if you have sex. But on the flip side of that, people say, well, there's birth control. Yeah, there yeah. is. There is birth control. For me personally, I have tried multiple forms of birth control before I've tried the 
copper IUD in the past. That was a absolute nightmare in many ways. Um, for me, it did not work out well. And I've also done the hormonal, hormonal birth control. And I just feel like a raging B word (laughs) when I take hormonal birth control. It just, it's not me. And you were also, uh, allergic to latex. If people, you know, want to say, well, why don't you just, uh, you know, cover up Jeff. Um, she's allergic to latex, which makes it an uncomfortable experience. So we have our, our method is like the rhythm method where you just avoid during the ovulation time. And so that has resulted in cam before. (laughs) If we're being honest, like cam was very, very strong, fast, long living swimmer. Yep. And, um, and so anyways, if we like absolutely did not want to have any more kids, like we, yes, we know that there's ways to prevent that 100%. But also the fact that we are both open to having another child and, um, this is just what works for us. I mean, everybody has their own, you know, eventually you're probably going to have to get the snippety snip, right, honey? Uh, yes, but it just sounds like the most awful thing that I could walk into a doctor and get. And I'll have to do it eventually, and I'll I'll, I'll man up when it's time to manhood mm-hmm. uh, disable. I don't know <laughs> what to say. I'll do it, but it, it I don't see it coming up anytime soon. So we just have to hope for the, uh, I don't know, hope for the best either way uh, that we get pregnant and we have another baby and we're really happy and excited or we are not pregnant for a while and we put it uh, into the future and that's something that still happens for us because I think, are we just committing to we're going to have at least one more? Yes. Yes. Okay. So there you go, people. If you want to know we're having one more, at least one more. Um, So here's another assumption. You are relieved to not be on YouTube anymore. Relieved is an interesting word, but in a way I could say yes. Yeah. In what uh, way do you feel uh, somewhat relieved? Well, when I think back to the early days of, of YouTube, I wouldn't ever consider myself like relieved to be not on there anymore. I thoroughly enjoyed being on YouTube. Um, it was fun. It was exciting. I, well, I wanted to be there. I wanted to do it. I was enjoying it. And at some point, you know, after a Cruise passing was really the the turning point that made it really sour for me, and I tried to get back on for a little while, and it just wasn't the same. The atmosphere of YouTube felt very toxic, and yeah, I mean, I am relieved that I'm not there. Like, you know, in, in some ways, I'm I'm still in social media, so I'm not just I'm, in a different form. Yeah, and I don't I don't watch YouTube at all anymore. I. I used to, in early college days and while I was on YouTube, I watched tons of YouTube and now I don't watch any of it and I don't really know what's going on in that space at this point, but I know that things have changed dramatically and I don't know that it's really the space that it used to be back when I I started. I don't know that it's, you know, that friendly, fun place to be anymore. Um, But like I said, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not on it often and not scrolling through the comments, but you know, you would kind of sit in the bath and you would watch YouTubers. Um, and that was really, you know, the inspiration I asked you, you know, would you like want to do that? You're always on it. You should do it. And you know, you mentioned that you thought it would be like interesting or cool to do. 
And so I encouraged you because I thought you'd be great at it. And you are. You were amazing at it. And you evolved from being, you know, like hair, uh, makeup, fashion, you know, that kind of talking to the camera to vlogging about our life as people got interested in our family and sharing a lot of that. Um, you put almost 400 videos in like a two, two and a half, three year span. So you were really dedicated to two videos a week, maybe three for years and years and years. And um, I was always very proud of your dedication to it. Not only shooting the video, but the editing takes, you know, two or three hours to edit a video and make it look really good and presentable, even if it's only like a 10 to 15 minute video. And then after crew passed, it went from a very positive place where a lot of the comments were encouraging, people following us, kind of uplifting us. And then after crew passed, there were so many people that were following us because of the situation, because of how difficult it was, but also throwing venom at you and our family. It became a very toxic place and it just flipped overnight. Uh, we know that social media, YouTube, all of that is generally very negative, but we were in a kind of safe place. And as you said, it, it flipped for us on a personal level. And now I feel like in, in many cases, social media has become this place where people go to, to throw shade, to be critical of other people because it's just so easy to be critical and so easy to condemn others when you know you have skeletons in your closet. It makes you feel better in the moment. Right. When, when I first started, I didn't have this like anxiety. I wasn't worried about what, it, what the scene looked like behind me if things were dirty or if I folded my laundry on the floor or I, you know, gave my just any very small, small thing. I wasn't worried about it until, you know, after crew passed away and I had this big influx of people who I just felt weren't there for the right reasons. I started to become very obsessed with every part of the video. If somebody sees that, they're going to, you know, make a comment. Or if they, you know, see that, then somebody's going to get angry or if they see that. And I just, it became this feeling of like, I don't want to film anything anymore. Yeah, It's too much. It's too much to have to worry about every tiny little thing that somebody could possibly comment on. And I couldn't keep myself from feeling that way. You know, it's easy to say, oh, well, don't care about what other people think. Well, I mean, when you're constantly, when you feel like someone is constantly waiting for you to do something wrong, it's not exactly a fun feeling to get out there and, and put yourself out there. So, you know, all that to say, it is sadly in a way relieving to not be on YouTube anymore. You know, do I miss it sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. But I just think that it's changed so much from what it used to be that it's it's not enjoyable anymore. I mean, that ties into another assumption that people have of us is that we are introverts who push ourselves to be extroverted for social media. Would you say that's true? Uh, probably. I'm not exactly like the extrovert, um, you know, the big loud person that can make all the funny jokes and everyone loves to be around type, you know, I, I love that quality in somebody. And I, I sometimes wish that I was more like that, very outgoing and, um, just says whatever's on their mind and, you know, has these witty comebacks and, and, you know, just that person. Uh, but that's just not me. I'm, 
I'm an introverted extrovert, if that makes sense. Like I'm introverted, but also, you know, in the right, in the right situation, I can be friendly and outgoing and, and all of that. I'm not just like, you know, never, never, uh, talking or anything. It's just that, you know, preferably I, I like, you know, being in quiet situations and being, having time to myself. And I don't thrive in big, uh, like party atmospheres or tons of people. I, I get a little nervous. I get self-conscious. Um, you know, I wish I was a little more extroverted, but it's just who I am. So I, I think that social media has definitely had to bring me out of my shell a little bit because it's, it's hard to really put yourself out there and be such an introvert. But I think it's also been, you know, healthy to kind of push myself to be out there more than I would without social media. Yeah, I think that you are uh, or you can push yourself to be extroverted in the right situations. I've seen you in groups of people, people that you don't know well, and you are outgoing and you are very friendly. So it's not like you are by yourself. I think that um, when I think of extroverts, I see a lot of, you know, this is not a criticism, but I see a lot of people that that go on social and they are they become a completely different person than they are at home. They almost are playing a character of themselves um, when they're uh, on social. You know, I see husband and wives are doing skits where you know this is scripted and they are playing parts. They are not just being themselves. So when we are talking, um, I don't feel like we're trying to be different people than who we are in real life. Everyone wants to be their best selves, I think, in public. I think, you know, authenticity is about trying to be uh, your best self, represent yourself well all the time, but we're not faking it. And so that's what I think an an introvert, if I can say anything, is that they are going to be themselves. They are maybe concerned about the judgments of others. So they guard themselves by not being out in public and putting on that, that mask or that extra face. They don't want to be different people than who they are in real life. That's just my interpretation of it. Uh, so here's some ones that I thought were these. You guys are I don't know if it's uh, it's weird or I just uh, I attract these people. But here's one assumption: Jeff waxes his back. Does that mean that they assume I'm a hairy person? I don't know. I just think that's funny that you said that you attract these people. <laughs> yeah, like what is it about me that that there that was their the dying assumption is that you wax your back. I have never waxed your back, but now I want to. That sounds uh, really painful, but also it just seems like a waste of time because although I do have some hairs back you there. You don't have a hairy back. I'm not a hairy person. Uh, I mean, you've got some like uh, some hair on your chest or whatever. I could wax it. And... Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, I, <laughs> I am a man. Uh, I have. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I do grow uh, facial hair, uh, neck hair, chest hair, a little bit of back, but I'm not a, a woolly person. Uh, if that makes sense. So no, I don't wax his back, although I wouldn't be against it because it seems very satisfying. Uh, yes. Uh, she's like a pimple popper girl. I don't know if that's weird. <laughs> oh, I do like to, to get the blackheads though. Yeah. If you're, if you're one of those people, I think you're weird. Uh, I tell her she's weird all the time for wanting to do that. But if it gives me a few more minutes of back rubbing, I will, I will let her do it. Um, Jeff is 420 friendly. I had to ask what 420 was. I didn't even know what 420 was. Now uh, that I, now means I know. that I like to smoke the weed. 
Uh, well, I have never in my life seen you smoke a weed. A weed? <laughs> what is it? A joint? What do you? Yes. Okay. I grew up in a very sheltered household, so I do not. <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't a fan of that stuff growing up. Um, um, so the only time that I ever saw Jeff smoke weed was in California, where it's legal. And yep. it was quite hilarious. Palm Springs uh, vacation. And, uh, you know, we're we're there. And uh, I just thought, hey, well, why not? Right. You walk past all these uh, smoke shops where they are selling it. So, it yeah, it's not legal in Texas. So. I wanted to try it once in my life. If you can believe that I, I did not. I have not uh, tried that stuff as a youth. And so, you know, gave it a shot. And uh, yeah, it was quite the kicker. Uh, I asked the guy, I was like, you know, what should I do? And he's like, do you want to like the deep, the deep high or like the mellow high? I was like, no, no, no. Just give me the like the the beginner stuff. (laughs) I'm not ready for all that. And I'll tell you, I did not act like it was beginner stuff. I'm just thinking about. So I was pregnant. So obviously I'm not. I'm just this was our baby moon. Yes. And and I was way I was by myself. Yeah. He was out by himself. I was like, you go, you live your best life or whatever. And um, he comes inside that night and he can barely climb up onto the, the bed was so tall. In it that was an elevated bed. In, and you're like, I can't get out the bed. I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my life. Yeah, I have been drunk before. I'm not proud of it, by the way. I, I don't really love the taste of alcohol. When I go to places to have a drink, I ask them for an angry orchard in a glass because I want it to look like I'm a normal man drinking beer, but I do not like beer. So I drink your apple juice beer. So I am far from a guy that gets down that way. But, uh, you know, it's it's fine. I think, you know, I was hard against it growing up. Um, just thought it caused a lot of problems. And now as it's starting to be legal in other places, you know, if, if it's for you, that's fine. Uh, it's just not. It's not I, for me. I, I don't. I'll be honest. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I'm not uh, I'm not against it, uh, you know, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of benefits for, for it. If we're <laughs> looking at, me she like, wants to do it. She's not pregnant now. She's she wants to honeymoon in California and try it out herself. I think. I'm just saying, if that's your thing, I'm not here to to judge. I should probably try it and then form my my opinion. So, but it was quite hilarious to watch to watch you do it. <laughs> Did that make you want to try it more? I mean, I was a little jealous. I'm over here like super duper pregnant and you're out here having so much fun. <laughs> uh, so the next question or next assumption is Jeff has more shoes than she does. No. No. I, I do have, you know, um, I don't know. I, I have my athletic shoes and I have my casual shoes and I got a pair of boots, you know, you date night maybe boots. maybe like 15 pairs of shoes. I don't think it's that many, but I mean, really? you know, I, I have... Probably nine to ten I can go to pairs. I have just I just have some that I haven't thrown away or haven't gotten rid of. I probably have like thirty pairs of shoes. Is that a lot? Is that a lot for the women out there? You're by the way, I'm gonna get this because you know, people think you're either materialistic or you spend a ton of money on all of this stuff. And uh you are I wouldn't say frugal is is the right word, but you you're not a uh you're not you're not putting us in the poor house or putting us in debt with the things that you buy. I want to make sure that I say that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that that's a fair assumption. I think that a lot of people would be quite surprised to see, you know, as far like we're building this house with this huge closet. And I think that my clothes are going to take up like a, a quarter of it because I just, I, 
donate stuff, give stuff away like all the time. Um, I don't like a lot of things and clutter around it. It makes me very anxious. And I do tend to, you know, I was brought up being pretty, you know, frugal. I didn't grow up in a house full of money. My parents did okay. We were both middle class. Yeah. Um, but my mom stayed home and my dad worked and we didn't have a ton of extra money to do a lot of things. And so I kind of have that that same mindset. But I, I don't really consider myself a materialistic person. You know, I don't know. That's just that's me thinking. I, I'm sure that other people looking in would maybe consider me that, but I don't yeah. feel that way. I still feel like uh like we're middle class. Um, you know, my my kids, I feel like they're high maintenance middle class. I don't know. I don't know when you change mindset to categorize yourself. I mean, you know, the economy is what it is and people are having difficult times out there. I know that we're, you know, we have everything that we need. Our kids have everything we need, uh, but we're not either swimming in money and we're not starving or uh, struggling financially, which I'm very thankful for. We're not in credit card debt because I'm out spending money or nope. anything like that. We have no credit card debt. I think what a lot of people don't understand is, is this is my job and just like, you know, your job has certain requirements or things that you do. Mine is to essentially work for these companies and sharing things that I love and I make a commission off of things that I love, or I work with these companies that require me to use their products or their items. So it's not like what you see on social media might look like I'm just buying and buying and buying all these things, but it's also my job. If that makes yeah. any sense, it's very hard to really like when you sit and think about it to really say like what, what my job is, it's complicated, but well, you share things that you love with people that have similar interests and tastes and those people like the products that you talk about and they buy them and, and you make a small commission over the sales of that. And that's, has led us to have a comfortable, consistent income and our family, you know, uh, is doing well, um, largely to, you know, the contribution that you make. So I'm very thankful that you have a job that allows you the flexibility to be home, uh, both of us to be home with our kids, to be very present with them. And we provide everything that they need and uh, although all, I feel like they all are spoiled kids and we are spoiled adults because we... Sometimes I think you want to give your kids better than what you had. I think and, everybody does. And not that I had a bad childhood, but there was things that I, that I know that my parents weren't able to do or afford for us. So sometimes I think you, you want to do more than, than you were given. And sometimes I have to remind myself of, okay, like my kids don't need this. We both and, feel that way. And rein it back a little bit because just because you can spoil them doesn't mean that you have to or need to. I'm speaking to myself. <laughs> and, I, and I do the same thing. I buy a lot of baseball and sports stuff for them because I feel like this, this impacts and enhances, you know, it develops their interests and their skills. And it's a fun activity for me to bond with my kids over. So, you know, I spend money on that stuff as well. It's, it's not simply you buying like a bunch of toys for our kids. Um, but, you know, they're healthy and they're happy. And I think they're well-adjusted kids who love, love people and are gracious and nice kids. Um, I so, think the best thing you can give your kids is your time. I, I think so, too. It's not about 
the money or what you can provide for them. What they will remember is the time that you gave them. And that's what matters the most. So, yeah, I'm very thankful that uh, we're able to do that. And it's largely because of the contribution you make. Um, so thank you all for following. Um, if you have bought something that uh, has been listed, then uh, it's much appreciated. Here's an assumption that I think is, uh, you know, maybe one to end on. because This has been a pretty long episode. You are two souls who have had horrible storms and still choose to see the good. And I thought that was a really nice assumption for someone to make. Yeah, thanks for being so kind. Because we, we have been through some horrible storms uh, and still choose to see the good in the world. And I think some of it is because we have to. I need to choose to see the good for you, to help support you, to help support our family, to keep our kids um, thriving, and you do the same for me. It doesn't have to be like the major storm in life. It can just be a little hard drizzle that makes you sad. You're there to pick me up and I'm there to pick you up. And we've done that throughout our relationship. We've helped each other get through the hard stuff. And we know that there will always be times of difficulty. There are going to be times where we're going to feel like we're struggling, but we can get through it if we do it together. So let's finish on a fun one since we have a minute. I want, I want to ask this for the people because this is something this is something that we need to get the bottom of, okay? Because I've noticed some changes in you, honey. Yeah. I have noticed some changes in you, and I must say that I, I'm enjoying it. Have you, the people need to know, they assume that you have had lip fillers, honey. Educate the world. Come out with it. I have... <laughs> Do you know. say that in like, is it embarrassing to no, admit it's that? Not. It's, I think it's just, it's, I mean, thank you for noticing. I guess that's the whole point. Right. But also I thought I'm done twice and no one noticed the first time. So. Well, I noticed the first time <laughs> and just so you know, she did not ask me per, for permission. She didn't give me a heads up. She just walked in the house and, uh, do I need your permission? Uh, you don't, you can do whatever <laughs> you know that I will love you. Uh, now I have concerns that your face won't move in a few years. <laughs> I've never had Botox before. Not that I'm against it. It's probably coming next, <laughs> but uh, you did not tell me. And then I just go, what is going we on? Were, the first time I had it done, we were driving down the road and you were like, I was driving and you were looking at me from like my side profile yep. and you were like, what is kept staring at me and i think you were like what is different I was processing and then you were like oh you had your lips done <laughs> i did I, I was like dang how long was it gonna take you to notice it wasn't that long my brain was just trying to put this picture together that was unfamiliar to me and i didn't know what had changed and you don't want to when you are with a woman you do not want to say something has happened and it has not it's like you don't want to be like, congratulations, I'm being pregnant. And you're just like, I am not pregnant. Well, that, you did you know? say that my butt was plump and that I must be pregnant. Um, I said that your butt looked great uh, in those Lululemon pants. Uh-huh. And that uh, you were the first one that actually said that you were looking. I said my booty looked a little, you know, out there. And I agreed usual. that it looks very nice and plump. And Anyways, yes, I did get lip fillers. Um I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say about it. Like, are it you was, happy with them? Yeah, I love it. Are they going to continue to do they do they evolve like get no, bigger or no, is that that? No. It? I think the the first the first time that I had it done, we went very conservative because that's just I was very concerned. <laughs> I didn't want to come out looking a little crazy. I've seen some bad lips done, so 
uh, I was like, let's just go like barely, barely. Okay. And so she did. And I think that's why no one really noticed. Um, and then this time we went a little bit less, not, we didn't go crazy by any means. I'm probably her like very most conservative patient. Um, but enough to where it would last because I think last time it kind of, you know, faded out quickly, but I did, I've always wanted to do it. I'm like always pregnant, so I can't do it. And I was like, I'm going to do it right now or else I'm going to end up pregnant and <laughs> can't do it. So anyways, I did. I really like it. Is it painful? A tiny bit. But where I go, she actually gives you dental blocks. And so she numbs up like your whole mouth and you don't really feel a whole lot. So without having a dental block, I do not think I would get it. Just, Should I get just it? Just for anyone else, because I've had a lot of people message me and say, did you get lip fillers? Because I'm really interested in doing it, but I'm afraid it's going to hurt. And I'm going to tell you, it would hurt if you didn't have a dental block. And she said that a lot of people don't do them. So <laughs> wherever you go, make sure you see if they can do the dental block because, oh man, like, I don't think I could do it. Should I do it? Because You could not even, <laughs> I, I would love to see it. Uh, I am not a seeker of pain, um, so I do not like needles uh, or any of that. Yeah, they stick the needle up into your gums for the dental block. It's in your gums, and that's just the dental block. That's not even the fillers. So I've had nine teeth pulled, so I have been I at root canals and all that stuff. So I have sat through oh, the pain. Okay. I know she's <laughs> no no I've sympathy. I've also had from eight life. teeth pulled and that little thing. You know that called the frenulum i think the thing that hangs from the top of your to your uh, underneath your lip i had that snipped because it was causing a gap in between my front teeth uh i am not saying that you have do not <laughs> handle pain more than me i have seen you handle plenty of pain while having our children mm-hmm. things that i could not conceivably even fathom what it feels like to have a baby removed from your body uh, and plus the nine months of, you know, growing and waddling around all that uncomfortableness for weeks. I, I just say that I admire all the things that you go through, both for babies and for, I guess, fashion. Is this a lip fashion? <laughs> lip fashion? Uh, no, I mean, obviously this is not necessary. Um, and there are many people who hate any type of plastic, whatever, whatnot, but... You know, for those of you who are interested, you can send me your questions on Instagram. I'll answer them for you. But, you know, I think it's supposed to last maybe like six months or so and then just kind of fades away and you have to have it redone. But, you know, at that point, who knows if I'll be able to get it redone. So Um, I want to thank everybody for sending their assumptions to us. Uh, We talked quite a bit, so we had some fun on this one. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed listening as well. And and if you did enjoy, maybe we'll do another assumptions uh, episode in the future. But uh, yeah, we definitely did not get through all of them. No, like, we, we could had... be here all day answering your assumptions. So maybe we'll have to do a part two in the yeah, future. I think we will. Maybe we'll end uh, season two with uh, assumptions two. But uh, thank you guys for joining us again. And I hope you have an amazing week. Bye.